Welcome to Infuse Joy, the place online where heart-centered, creative minds come together to feel a little more human. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Case, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, we're continuing my interview series covering the Enneagram. This is episode four of 11, and I'm so excited to dive in. For those that are unfamiliar with the Enneagram, go ahead, push pause, go check out episode 35, where I do the full intro into the series and describe the Enneagram in more detail. It's really important for me to preface each episode of this series by saying that I'm not an Enneagram expert. I'm a very curious person, and I want to hear the stories of people who are using the Enneagram as a tool for their own personal growth and understanding. I also don't expect my guests to be Enneagram experts either. They are sharing their understanding of themselves through the lens of the Enneagram, and that to me is flawless. In the show notes, I've linked you to several of my favorite Enneagram resources and places to start if you're interested in jumping into Enneagram understanding for yourself. Today's episode is brought to you by Patreon member Sam Kearney. Sam is an environmentally minded artist living in Asheville, North Carolina. She is owner and operator for Fox and Fur Designs and one of our amazing cover artists for Journey Books. You can find her and her work on Instagram at foxandfur.design. Thank you, Sam, for making this podcast possible. For today's interview, we are diving in again with Enneagram Type for The Individualist. Today is so special for me because we're talking with my husband, Obi Arnold. It took a little persuading for me to get him to come on, but I knew that having a four-wing three and a four-wing five featured on the podcast would be so helpful. And he's my favorite four-wing five, so I couldn't take no for an answer. It means so much to me to get to share him and his heart with you today. He's such a special soul, and I can't wait for you to meet him. So let's dive in and meet Obi. Hi, Obi. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Um, So tell us a little bit about you. Um, I am a dad. And a husband, and somebody who generally likes to enjoy life. Um, so what would you say is your work in the world? Um, meeting other people with a compassionate heart and a friendly, thoughtful ear. Mm-hmm. I like to make other people feel comfortable. I think that's the most important thing that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Tell me about your Enneagram journey. How did it begin? Uh, well, I think we kind of found out about Enneagram together mm-hmm. from Sadie Culberson. Um, Who's Sadie our number three? Number three. Uh, she came over and um, her and Nathan came over to eat dinner with us and we were talking about personalities and um, she brought that up as something that they were interested in and we immediately... Just jumped on board. We were really excited about it. Yeah. And it's kind of been a, um, a ride ever since. Um, I think one of the things that really interests me about Enneagram is that when I first got into it, it was hard to understand um, how the different types were separated from each other because mm-hmm. they all feel relevant. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I had to learn was that you can't understand the Enneagram without knowing a little bit about everything. Yeah. You kind of have to integrate your knowledge of the Enneagram yeah. in order to make any of the specific types feel comfortable. 
Yeah. I really like that, too, because I think one of the greatest tools that the Enneagram has given me is just the ability to, like, learn other people and to have compassion for other people. And so I think that the fact that to learn ourselves, we have to kind of understand everyone innately puts us in the position to do what you want to do in the world, which is meet people with compassion. I think that's really cool. And to move into a space where you're, yeah, integrated in the numbers as well. It's yeah. It's kind, of kind of pushes you in that direction. Yeah, I like that. Um, so what was it about the Enneagram? And because I have insider knowledge, I know, like, personality tests aren't, like, your thing. Like, I can eat them all up. But for you, the Enneagram was, like, kind of special for you. Yeah. I liked the fact that it didn't deal with behavior. Mm-hmm. It didn't deal with um, how I act just all the time, ever. But it had um, facets of your motivations, and, and it had um, those motivations shift, and it had um, taken that into account already. Mm-hmm. And it had a system for change and development within your type, so it kind of had a, it had a, um, a, a more diagnostic approach that, that mm-hmm. pushed you in a direction instead of just saying like, well, here's who you are, you know, mm-hmm. and then that, it's this immovable four-letter combo. It never resonated with me as much. Was a read on Myers-Briggs there. <laughs> I love that, though. I think you're right. I think that it feels like a living thing and like a tool for change and growth versus like um, here you are and here you will always be. I love that. Um, So, Obi, what's your type? I am a number four. (laughs) How did you know? Like, what was it about four that you read that we don't, that you were like, oh, there I am? Well, it took me a while to come around to four. Like, I had to, I had to understand all the types mm-hmm. before I understood my role. At first, I thought I might be a six um, because sometimes I get stressed out. And I, <laughs> I, I, that was the first one that was seemed to deal primarily in stress or from my initial reading. And then... Um, I heard somebody say that number six was the most common type. And that was the first sign to me that I was not a six. Because <laughs> I, I, I abhorred the term most common. Yeah. And um, I wanted to run away from it. Um, which is silly because there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. I, to me, I just, I wanted to, I felt like I was... Um, more individual than that Mm -hmm. and I hated being a part of crowds and then right after that I read the 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 Enneagram 4 description and it was talking about how they perceive themselves as unique and and, um, it's the rarest type and I I thought oh man that's me (laughs) (laughs) which is is uh is part of like the I don't know if you would say pretentious but the element of um, wanting, desperately wanting to be individual, mm-hmm. wanting to be uh, seen as unique. Yeah. It resonated with me. Okay. Um, so let's talk about, yeah, so what are some of the core aspects of being a type four? Okay. Um, I think 
we're in the emotional triad, so emotions are going to be the heart of a four. I really think that we are driven to the most extreme forms of every feeling that we have at any given moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that, for me, that seems to change pretty suddenly. Mm -hmm. Um, I can go from a really happy to a really sad place with ease, Mm -hmm. and I think I also feel at home in all of those feelings. Mm -hmm. So that when I'm sad, it doesn't ruin my day. In fact, I like to sit there for a minute and to contemplate the sadness. And it's kind of my way of analyzing the sadness Mm -hmm. so that I can fully feel it and then move through it. So I can understand it and move through it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, as Sarah Jane will say, I I can move quickly back into a place of of joy and um, within that sadness, sad place. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think, I, I just realized through the Enneagram that that's not everyone's experience. Yeah. I like, I heard um, Susan Stabile say one time that um, her her um, kind of coworker or partner would um, be able to move through the amount of emotions that she can move through in a month in an hour. And I feel like I see that with you. You'll have like emotions, but you'll have them for like short periods of time. And they're really intense, but they're like, like blips. And it, I find that so fascinating, so different. I'll lose my car keys for a moment. Think, oh no, <laughs> my car keys are gone. I have no idea where they are. And then I'm like, oh wait, no, I remember where they are. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> I'm right back out of it. Um, yeah. So I, I'm definitely dramatic, that's for sure. <laughs> I also think I also think one of the primary characteristics of a four is needing a lot of space to mm-hmm. sit and think and enjoy um, beauty and appreciate um, just the um, aesthetic qualities that are around them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is a gift of mine is that I really like to appreciate everything that I'm everything that I'm doing and everything mm-hmm. that I'm in. Um, so. If it's cold, I I love the cold weather. If it's hot, I love the hot weather. If it's somewhere in between, I feel like I'm never disappointed mm-hmm. by what weather it is outside. And um, and I that's definitely not the experience that I that I um, receive from other people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, I feel like people um, don't don't appreciate those things in the same way that I do. And I find myself telling them about the things that are so great. And oftentimes my um, beaming energy, mm-hmm. it might feel like I think a laser beam to some people, <laughs> but I also think that it can help people appreciate things better. Mm-hmm. I think that's a gift that I have. I think that was one of the first things that as we, when we were dating that I was getting used to about you, like things that would take me 10 minutes might take you an hour and I would be like how did that take you an hour and you'd be like oh I stopped and I sat on a park bench and I watched the sunset and I'm like what because <laughs> I'm just like so task oriented um, <laughs> or like we'll go on walks together and you'll stop and you'll look at every flower you know and just really appreciate every flower on the walk and it like which is so good for me because it slows me down you know mm-hmm. And helps me to really notice all the beautiful things around us. Really cool. I do that with explanations a lot too. If somebody asks me about a book, 
I think someone else would say, oh, uh, it's a book about a girl who um, goes out into the woods and gets lost, and it's terrifying and exciting, and you should read it. Mm-hmm. And I will go into this long explanation of what the jungle looks like <laughs> and, you know, all the psychological fear that she was experiencing. And I'm essentially recounting the entire book to this person. <laughs> and sometimes people will be like, okay, wrap it up, you know. But I, I also have heard people say that I describe books in a way that just makes them want to go read it immediately. Yeah. And, um, and also that's just because one of my passions is reading I think that it, it's it's a four. I associate that as a four quality of mm-hmm. of really wanting to capture the essence of something mm-hmm. and um, bring it forward and, and show it off to, to people. Yeah, I think what I I really love about fours is that I feel like you guys, um, your nostalgia is like it's like you're still in the room with that thing you're remembering, and it's like just as vivid and just as beautiful as it was back then. So like a record that you really love or a like a song or a movie or anything, a book you read, you can like, it's like I watch you time travel and it's like, and you're like feeling the same feelings that you felt when you first experienced it, mm-hmm. which like everybody doesn't do that. Which is weird to hear. That's weird to hear. But it, I, I think that it's another thing that you talked to me about before is that, um, the Enneagram numbers think about time in different ways. Mm-hmm. So some numbers will think about the past primarily. Some will think about the future. I know you're really future-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about the past. It It's something that brings me joy. Um, it, not as like a, oh, I wish we could go back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is kind of chasing a... Um, a feeling that I've had before, you know, and trying to recreate that feeling. Um, sometimes I'll just, I'll, I'll be experiencing a certain kind of weather and I'll just be filled with this rush of memory of every other time that I felt that weather and what, what I was experiencing in that moment. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it just creates this kind of like a, a montage of, of, um, of warmth that I could just hold with me and, and it, it, I just, I just feel romantic and nostalgic. And that's another thing. Like fours, I think, just hopelessly romantic in this really obvious way. <laughs> it's just kind of like everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we get it, we know, we see that. Like he made her another picnic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I am just, I am okay with that. I'm happy to live in that place. I am also okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So let's talk about you as a four um, at your best. Yeah. Um, well, at my best, I think that I am a visionary. I think I like to um, create new things that, that authentically reach people mm-hmm. and um, can really show somebody something new. And uh, I think I invite people to really show their truest self Mm -hmm. I don't understand um, walls and boundaries that people put up in Mm -hmm. themselves at all because I don't do that I experience Mm -hmm. emotions fully and immediately which can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. I feel but I also um, value that in other people and I think that that can be freeing for people too Mm -hmm. and I think that um, 
being able to share themselves in their most vulnerable times and have it not weigh the other person down, I think that can be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that at my best, I'm able to hold space for people in, in their most vulnerable and their most honest selves. And I think that I have a, um, an appreciation for um, what's meaningful and, and aesthetically beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. And I can bring that to a lot of the things that I do. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, like, I'm going to throw another one out there, too. Or I think that one of my favorite things about you, and it took me a long time to realize you weren't doing this, or that you were doing this, is that your, like, authenticity of character, like, whoever you are with me, you're going to be with someone else. And, like, a lot of us, I think, we are different Enneagram types. Like, we play to whoever we're talking to. So, like, if I'm talking to you, I might talk to you in a certain way. If I talk to someone else, I might talk to them in a different way. But you're just going to show up as you are with every person. And there's almost, like, this confusion and, like, why wouldn't you talk about that right now? Like, why wouldn't you want to be as open and vulnerable as possible in this moment? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it just is who you are. Like, you're not, you're not hiding your care, who you are as a person from anybody or your tenderness. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I I think people put up walls to protect themselves, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I think that I, one of the, one of the things that I, I have to be careful of is to not um, stomp all over to just just parade through people's walls mm. um, because I value them and and I respect them and so I want to hear about their lives you know and what like I want to hear about their darkness too mm-hmm. you know and I think people are scared of their darkness and they're not ready to deal with it especially with me mm-hmm. just because I just because I'm like there in that place. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I have to be aware mm-hmm. to not trample over somebody's walls um, and to love them through that um, and to invite them out, but not to, to just barge in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, so what do you see as, you know, challenges related to being a four? What are the harder parts? Um, well, um, I think that um, understanding other people um, can be a challenge because um, sometimes it feels isolating to um, want to be authentic and have other people around you um, not appreciate that necessarily all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, to long for connection with other people and to have other people feel like it it overwhelms mm-hmm. I think if you um, are a four and don't know you know about that side of things it's really easy to just run in and um, try to um, talk to everybody as if you've known them your whole life and mm-hmm. and I think that um, for, for a lot of people that can that can push them away and so then as a four, you're like, well, I don't understand why I'm pushing people away. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to be vulnerable and trying mm-hmm. to love people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and these people, you know, like people run away, people leave. Mm-hmm. And um, that has been isolating at points in my life. And there have been times that it's been really hard to understand why I 
my longing for authenticity pushes people away. Mm. Um, and I think that in the end, you have to, like I said, invite people out um, of those places um, through loving them and not expect that, mm. you know, because, because not everybody handles things the same way. Mm. But I, I think it's hard for any of us to understand any other way of thinking than our own. Mm-hmm. If we swapped brains with someone else, we would just go crazy. Because <laughs> all our coping mechanisms would be gone. Or different. Yeah. They'd be different. <laughs> and so and so we would just we would we'd lose our minds, I think. Yeah, I hear it. That's cool. Um so what do you think as a four is your superpower? Like what is it a four brings to the table that we need that completes kind of the universal puzzle? I think four is really... um, I think four is really capable of seeing what's at the heart of things. So when you have an issue in society, Mm -hmm. uh, I think fours are really good at speaking to that thing without putting up boundaries and, and walls around it that, that or biases. Um, and we're all biased and we operate on our biases and we are emotional, not logical creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that um, there is an element of uh, being hyper-focused on what is um, serving society and individuals mm-hmm. and what is not that fours have a unique window into mm-hmm. um, I think everybody's got a unique window I think I don't know yeah <laughs> don't know. no I think you're right I think like um one of the things I see in you is that you're able to like go into a situation and really be like oh here here's the like thing that would make this all work better or here's the thing that is causing all of this frustration and this this turmoil. And, like, particularly in terms of our political climate, I feel like you're really good at understanding and getting to the heart of it and kind of, like, balancing that knowledge with that heart. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, kind of. Um, I know that when I'm thinking about something like that, sometimes I'll just deep dive into it and zone out a thousand miles away. And I'll be mm-hmm. thinking about some issue. And um, you look at me and be like, what, are you okay? Is everything okay? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Like, you looked concerned. And I'm like, oh, this is what I was thinking about. And you'll be like, nope, I can't, I can't. It's too much, it's too much. Um, I think you put up you put up a boundary there about, mm-hmm. like, I, I can't bring po- politics into my thoughts right now. It's just too demanding mm-hmm. and it'll bring me down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sad thing. <laughs> and um, so for me, um, I ha- have space for it in a way that doesn't, it doesn't require me to change my um, feelings about it emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it doesn't, it doesn't warp my sense of immediacy and where I am mm. in that moment. I still feel like, oh, I'm having fun. I'm on a boat right now in the middle of the lake and I'm thinking about, you know, Russia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How, how to end the housing crisis, you know? <laughs> and um, 
So at least at least thinking about those things isn't emotionally taxing. Yeah. Um, and that emotion, the emotional feelings that I do have, I like to experience because they're indicative of of um, what's going on with me and with the country. And mm. I, so I like to think about those things and, and sit in those places. Mm. I really love hearing you, like as your wife, like hearing you talk about it in that way and kind of having that perspective because um, if I were to sit and think about the housing crisis, it would ruin my day. And especially if there's no action that I can take in that moment, I will just sit and get really anxious and really sad and really forlorn. But you do have this amazing capacity to think about it and hold space for it in your mind, think about potential solutions, but still enjoy the fact that you're on a boat in the middle of the lake. Whereas, like, I would just no longer wish I was on the lake. I would be like, what are we even doing in the world? I'm not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> Some um, people are going through a housing crisis and we're on a boat. We're, why are we on a boat? We should sell this boat. No one should be on a boat until everyone's in a house. <laughs> yeah. um, I think like the other thing that we need force for is just making the world beautiful. And like showing us what is beautiful. Yeah, and I was going to say, the world's already beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think one of my favorite fours to read is Wendell Berry. Mm. Um, he is deeply a four and you can, um, and obviously that's speculative, but Mm -hmm. the way that he appreciates nature and talking about the natural world Mm -hmm. and relating it so well to the heart of people Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's just, it's, he's my absolute favorite to read. Um, what is it that he does when he talks about the natural world and relating that to people? Like, what does that look and feel like? It's a feeling of connection that he inspires. He, he talks about um, nature as if it's a living being. Mm-hmm. Um, and he identifies our role in that greater picture. Mm-hmm. And kind of and helps us to um, to fold ourselves in, back into that fabric instead of trying to um, pull that fabric apart and make it work for us. And mm-hmm. I, I love the. Um, I mean, obviously, his message is is the number one thing that I that I appreciate from it, which is is getting back to community and getting back to um, to a reciprocal relationship with the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I really appreciate the uh, just the visual element of his writing style that, that talks about the uh, the scars that we create in the earth and um, the uh, the natural beauty of you know dogwoods as he's walking through the woods. He he really uh, puts you in onto his Kentucky farm with him as he's writing, and I I love it. it it fills me up mm-hmm. every time I read it. You guys should really see Obi right now. He is like actually lighting up talking about Wonderberry. <laughs> it's really pretty. Um, okay, so let's talk about levels of health. So, um, or like where you go to health and where you go to stress. Um, so in growth, Obi goes to one, which is the perfectionist 
And then in stress, he would go to two, which is the helper. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even talk about that. Um, so let's, yeah, let's think about that. Like, what does health look like for you in terms of going to one? Well, as a four, I definitely sit on benches and stare at sunsets. <laughs> and that can be, um, a time waster, you know? Um, I would call it a time waste, but I, I think that, um, we don't operate in, uh, in deep time, as I heard Richard Rohr talk about it, or Kronos, or uh, Kairos, we operate in Kronos, which is chronological time. Mm. That's a hard concept for me to get behind, but um, we have things to do. <laughs> and I often will waste time on beautiful moments instead of doing things that I actually need to get done, which will bring satisfaction in the mm -hmm. long run. At the end of the day, I can say, oh, I've got a lot done today. You know, mm -hmm. I can take more of those moments guilt-free um, and uh, so in my health I schedule more I really value discipline and so um, routine is hugely important for me um, the healthiest times of my life are the times when I'm waking up early and uh, meditating or even doing a workout and getting started with a healthy breakfast that I've made and um, those that gets me going in a big way. Um, uh, following through with tasks, giving myself uh, giving myself some um, win the day lists, which is something I've got from you. <laughs> um, just several tasks you can get done throughout the day that will um, make the day a success. Mm -hmm. And uh, those have really given me um, forward motion on on that oneness of making things better. Another thing um, that I think really comes from one in my personality is um, never feeling like um, I'm as good as I can be. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think some people might think that as an, in a negative way, but for me it's so positive. Like um, early on in our relationship, I remember you saying things like, um, this is who I am. This is never going to change. And I remember thinking, what? How could you say that it would never change? Where people were changing all the time. And I, I appreciate that part of myself. Yeah. I, don't, I don't cling to elements, even the things that I like about myself. I feel like they could be better, you know? I feel, mm -hmm. And, I, I, and it, it doesn't feel defeating to me to think that way. It feels exciting, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I like to, to imagine when I hear... You know, um, somebody say like, you know, you don't listen well. Mm. I like to think, oh, you know, you're, I don't listen well. <laughs> I can listen better. Let me meditate on it. Let me think about that and mm -hmm. come back to it, you know, and yeah. continue to come back to it. And I don't think of myself like, oh, well, I'm a bad listener. I might as well just accept that and embrace it and love myself for that. I mm -hmm. think there's a place for that. Mm -hmm. But I also think that my tendency is to, to also think I can be better. Mm. And it's an invitation for me to be a better version of myself. Which I think is a fun way to think about because those are such like the healthy sides of one. And that's what you move to as a four is the healthier sides of one. Um, and I think what we, when we're kind of confused because maybe you feel like a one and maybe you feel like a four because you're in a season of health or a season of um, stress or whatever, um, then it 
it can be helpful to think about, okay, am I, are these the healthier aspects that I'm experiencing or are they the like less healthy aspects and how can I tell? So that might be a really good gauge because you're talking like all the really, really, really healthy parts of one or where you're moving to. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what about two, moving to two and stress? Two, yeah. Well, this also really resonates with me. Um, I think I have a tendency to um, to notice when other people are outside their comfort zones. And I notice that because I don't think I have comfort zones. <laughs> I don't know if that's 100% true, but it's de- it certainly feels like I don't have comfort. Yeah. I'm pretty open to... Yeah. to, to to whatever's going on emotionally or, or um, you know, challenging myself. So I notice other people's comfort zones a lot, and it makes me, um, I don't know how to operate within them, mm-hmm. and I want to to fix whatever is making them uncomfortable, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to um, help them um, grow into, like, a place of safe, feeling safety and... Um, so I, I try to over overdo it, Some, or sometimes I try to guess at what they need mm-hmm. and um, help them this way or that way um, that they're not asking for. And a lot of times I can just be working around someone mm-hmm. um, and not even really uh, providing them that the comfort that I'm trying to provide, which I think is a very two thing to do, especially an unhealthy two mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, and I, I think that I have a tendency to uh, to overcorrect as far as trying to um, fix if I've hurt someone's feelings, mm-hmm. trying to overcorrect that. Um, and so the times that I go to stress um, are definitely when someone else is, um, you know, hurt, mm-hmm. and I, I'm trying to fix the problem or um, assess the damage or um, if you know. If we're going through um, a financial period of, of weirdness, you know, after a trip or something, that's typically <laughs> what happens, I, I have a tendency to, like, want to make everything perfect so you feel safe, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, try to make make you feel um, like, like it's all going to be okay, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times, um, those are the moments when you're outside of your comfort zone is when you're doing the four thing and experiencing those feelings, you know, or you're, you're in the, in those feelings and that's okay. It's a part of the process of working mm-hmm. through them. And even though you may not be as comfortable with them, mm-hmm. I need to let people do those things more and mm-hmm. work through those feelings on their own more than trying to like hold them for that. Yeah. I think one of my favorite examples of you going to two and stress is like every time you and I get in an argument, you try to feed me. Like, <laughs> Like every time, yeah. Are you hungry though? Do you need a sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I feel like, or you'll be like, um, I'll be like angrily washing the dishes, and you're like, just let me do this. And I'm like, oh, okay. you're like, <laughs> like you don't have to, but that's just your way of like, de- like you know, you're just like, I'll just take, I'll, mm-hmm. 
I'll do the dishes. I'll take out the trash. I'll make sure the whole house is taken care of. You don't have to do anything anymore. Well, it's funny because when I think about doing the dishes, Mm -hmm. I think about putting my hands in warm water. And it's like it's like taking a bath or something, you know? And it's, yeah. it's kind of meditative. I love it. And then taking out the trash. <laughs> you're, I'm walking, you know, usually at about sunset, yeah. you know? You get a nice little break. You know, it's kind of, it can be, especially the six-year-old, it can be loud in the house. Yeah. So taking out the trash is almost like a, a little vacation like a luxury. For a yeah, like a luxury. And I don't, I, I obviously feel like some obligation to feel like it sh- things should be even chore-wise, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know that like if they're really stressful for you, they're not going to be really stressful for me. Yeah. So then I think like, why don't I just do do that? But then like after doing, I just do everything. So let's talk about your wings. So every type has a wing, either a three or a five for a four. It's the one next to you. Um, so Amy's our other four and she's a four wing three. And I specifically wanted two fours. One, because I wanted to interview my husband and I wanted to interview Amy, but also because three, the wing, the three wing on a four is so different than that five wing. And I see so many polarities between four wing threes and four wing fives. So I would love to hear about your wing and how that shows up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say um, in discovering the Enneagram, before I did, had staked my flag in fourness, five also resonated with me. And it was because of certain adaptations of five that I had seen represented. Um, I really appreciate the longing for knowledge and knowing things because there have been periods in my life where I have obsessively done that. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, when I think the motivations for four and five feel very similar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, four, the motivation is to have your identity and to be known, um, to hold that identity and to be seen by other people as that and to feel that yourself. Um, something that I've always longed for. Mm-hmm. And I think I had a hard time distinguishing that from five, which is feeling like empty. Four can feel like they are missing something. Mm-hmm. Five can feel empty. Mm-hmm. And so those two things feel congruous. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there's a thing that five does, which is to try to fill that place with knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think I have done that to some degree. Like, I've thought, you know what, now I could just be a leather worker, you know? <laughs> and, and obviously, to be a leather worker, which is my goal... You have to learn a lot about tanning leather and and the tools used. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll research the types of awls that are used over history mm-hmm. and things like that as a way of assuming this identity. Mm-hmm. So I'm grounded in the four, fourness, but I am comfortable in the fiveness mm-hmm. of... Um, trying to fill that space and trying to become new identities and try to assume new um, shapes for myself that feel authentic mm. to, to how I'm feeling mm-hmm. um, as an, ex- an expression, external expression of my internal internal landscape. Ooh, I love that. Sorry, I don't want, you keep going, but I just want to like, I love that way of describing the four's relationship to identity is like an external expression of your internal landscape because I feel like... Fours do try on lots of different pants 
in their life and it can look really dramatically different but it's really just like seeking out like is do these pants fit what's going on inside of me because your insides are so like beautiful and complex and and like ever-changing that to like have that external match is probably a process yeah yeah and valuing the aesthetic and and the beauty of things that would all kind of play together right right and and one of the things about five that doesn't resonate with me is that fives close themselves off emotionally and put up the biggest walls i think Mm -hmm. of of many of the types and their walls are far out and they're trying to fill the space between them and their walls with knowledge Mm -hmm. and i feel um like i admire that but that's not me you know um I think that I use that knowledge to um, express myself to people mm-hmm. as authentically as I can. Um, I don't. It doesn't feel inauthentic to me. Whereas I think to a five, it might. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a five might question um, whether or not that's they're allowed to share that or something. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, my limit of my knowledge of five might be limited, but um, from from what I understood, it, it felt like. I was not a five because um, fives kind of close themselves off to emotions. Don't they? Don't mm-hmm. want to experience the fullness of those emotions all the time. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I really love the description of five, and this is for me the the clear definer that you were not a five because they say like fives experience a lot of emotions, but you want not ever know, and that is definitely not mm-hmm. your problem. No, it's not. <laughs> like they are like everywhere. Um, which I think is, yeah, like, super interesting. Um, so this is my last question for you. Thank you for coming on this interview with yeah, me. Yeah, it's been so fun to be on the podcast. Yeah. So um, my last question, and I'm asking everybody, is kind of a big one. What do you think the greatest lesson is as a four? So, like, what do you really need to, like, fully absorb and believe and step into. The biggest thing that fours out there need to know is that you are complete and you have everything you need to be seen as you are and that it doesn't matter if other people misunderstand you because your authenticity is needed and is important. Um, the, the times that people misunderstand you or think that um, you're too much um, are not indicative of a problem within you. They're indicative of the joy and authenticity with which you experience life. And you're enough. That's enough. That's offering such beauty to the world that is so needed. People need authenticity. They need to see people that embrace other people with fullness. They need to see people who go out there and are vulnerable, men who are vulnerable. They need that. And so that fullness is important and it's not always going to be appreciated. And of course there's work to be done to make sure that you're not trampling into other people's space, uh, sacred spaces, you know? But there is so much need for force. Now I'm sobbing. Um, I love you so much. I love you too. 
<laughs> thank you for coming on my yeah, podcast. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. It meant so much to me to talk with Obi and share his voice with you today. If you are a type four or have friends with a type four, I'd be super interested in hearing what your experience has been on the Enneagram journey as well. As always, I'm truly honored to create this content for you. If you have a friend who you think might be an Enneagram four, go ahead and send this podcast their way today. And if you enjoyed this episode, stop what you're doing. Go write us a review on iTunes. We want to get this podcast to as many people as possible because we think that sharing your heart with the world and being vulnerable and human with each other is so beautiful and really does change the way that we orient with ourselves and society. So if you have people that you think you can share this with, great. But the easiest way to get this podcast to new listeners is to just get reviews. So if you will take a few minutes, write a review on iTunes, it would mean the absolute world to me. Thank you so much for being here and I will see you next week.